patients are living a lot longer because of ibrutinib and other targeted drugs like it. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg. Today, our guest is Jennifer Woyak. Dr. Woyak is a principal investigator and a member of the team of scientists and physicians here at the James who developed ibrutinib, a drug that was FDA-approved a few years ago and is a huge step forward in the treatment of chronic lymphocytic leukemia, or CLL, a blood and bone marrow cancer that is the most common form of adult leukemia. We're going to talk with Jennifer about how ibrutinib was developed, how it's being used to treat patients all over this country and beyond, how it's saving a lot of lives, and about some new clinical trials she's working on and the next generation of ibrutinib that's being developed right here by Jennifer and her team here at the James. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Steve. I'm delighted to be here. So, Jennifer, let's start with a little a background on ibrutinib. Sort of give us the, the background on, on how and why you developed it and, and what it does, how it attacks CLL. Yeah, so ibrutinib is what's called a Bruton's tyrosine kinase or BTK inhibitor. And BTK is a protein that's found actually in all B cells, which is the normal counterpart to a CLL cell. And CLL before drugs like ibrutinib was thought to be a disease that wasn't a very good candidate for targeted therapies. And that's because CLL is really variable. So not everybody with CLL will have the same genetic abnormalities. And in fact, when you look at even the most common genetic abnormalities in CLL, they tend to only occur in between 1% and 10% of patients. Each one. Correct. So so there's... At least 10, there's dozens then. Right, okay. that's right. So that makes it hard to attack us. There's no one target, there's dozens. Okay. Exactly. So the previous diseases that were very successfully targeted with drugs, things like chronic myelogenous leukemia or CML, that disease is defined by a genetic mutation. So it's a little bit easier to find a drug that targets a mutation and it's going to work for everybody in that case. Um, however, it was then found that even though people with CLL didn't have the same gene mutations, everybody had overexpression of a pathway called the B-cell receptor signaling pathway, um, of which BTK is a really important component. And probably the most important thing about it, which makes it a good drug target, is that there are no um, other proteins that can compensate for it. So if you knock out BTK, the cell can't figure out a way to get past that block. And it's something that is found mainly just in B cells. So a drug that targets it isn't going to have a lot of other toxicities because mostly it's just the B cells that are going to be inhibited by a drug like that. So it's going to attack, it's going to target the BTK, mm-hmm. in, which is a protein found in the B cells. That's right. Okay. Yep. Got it. So um, when ibrutinib was first studied, um, it was actually studied in the lab um, of Dr. Bird and a, 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 some of his colleagues That's here at the James at the Doc, time. John Bird. Dr. Who's John a, Bird, yep. Who's here at the James, okay. Mm-hmm. And initially, it did everything you wouldn't want a CLL drug to do. So, you know, you could you can actually put it on CLL cells in a test tube, and they don't die. They, they live. They just sit there. Um, and you know, unless you're looking really carefully, they look exactly like a healthy CLL cell. Hmm. But when they looked a little further, they realized that even though the cells weren't dying, they were completely shutting off all of their activity. So they weren't 
they weren't signaling, um, so they weren't proliferating or making extra copies of themselves. Um, they weren't releasing inflammatory proteins like they normally do. And importantly, they kind of turn off their signal that tells them to stay alive forever and also the signals that tell them to go and sit in the lymph nodes and sit in the bone marrow and make themselves happy there and continue to just live there. Um, so that led to a clinical trial um, where some patients with very heavily pretreated CLL were treated with this drug, ibrutinib, and did fantastically. So you know, these, these are patients who in their first line of treatment didn't work so well, and so their they're they're outcome is not too good, so we're going to try Ibrutinib. Yep. And it's actually mostly not even just that their first line didn't work very well. They had their first line and their second line and their third line. And in some cases, up to even 10 or more lines of therapy. And so these were patients that you would expect wouldn't do that great with a new drug. And they did really, really well. They had very durable remissions. Which led to some larger studies, um, including the ones that were led or co-led by investigators at the James. And so those were really the definitive trials of ibrutinib, first in people who had had multiple other therapies, um, and then subsequently in people who had had no prior therapies. Oh, okay. And and that's what you just described is the clinical trial process, which I'm assuming took pretty long time to to establish all the research, all the facts and data that really showed that this is working and and should be approved and become a standard of care. That's right. And I would say, you know, if anything, this drug probably took less time than many other drugs just because it was so phenomenally successful um, in a disease where there really weren't a lot of great therapies after frontline treatment. Wow. Which, and again, that means that the outcomes, long-term outcome is is not good and people just Mm -hmm. weren't making it. And now all of a sudden, they have some hope. Right. And we actually have some patients who were on the initial ibrutinib trials that we did here at the James starting back in 2010 who were still on the drug and doing well. Because, again, you said it doesn't attack and kill the cells, but it sort of – I don't know if this is the right word, but it neutralizes them and they just sort of sit there and don't grow. That's right. Another um, scientist has referred to these as mummy cells, which I think oh. is a really good name for them. So it, it's and it's kind of like just turning off a light switch in the CLL cells. They just stop doing everything that a CLL cell normally does. Because cancer is the definition of cancer is uncontrolled cell growth, right? So That's this right. stops that. Mm-hmm. So and, and, so in 2014, the FDA approved ibrutinib. So it was approved for for what and sort of what happens once a drug is is approved by the FDA? Yeah, so this drug actually was initially approved for mantle cell lymphoma, and I think that was in 2013. So in 2014, it was initially approved for CLL for patients who had had previous treatment. And then that was subsequently expanded to anybody who had a high-risk genetic abnormality, which is a deletion of part of chromosome 17. So a little bit of an expanded access for patients. And then in 2016, 16, the drug was approved for frontline treatment. Meaning the first treatment. That's right, yeah. Which kind of makes sense. You don't want to, people don't have to go through treatments that haven't been so effective in the past when you have something that seems to be working better. That's right. Is there any way to sort of get a sense of, or there, I know it's still sort of early, of, of 
the, the either the like the five year survival rate or the percentage of people this worked in or how do you sort of measure those early successes and and continued successes? Yeah, you know the survival of patients is a little bit hard to know because most of the clinical trials, while big in CLL standards, are still relatively few people. So it's hard to know at this point what exactly is the impact on survival of patients with CLL. But, you know, we can say from all of the studies that have been done and anecdotally from treating many patients that patients are living a lot longer because of ibrutinib and other targeted drugs like it. Um, I can tell you that for patients with relapsed CLL, the median or average progression-free survival, so the average time that the drug works basically, um, is about 52 months. And so that means, though, that at 52 months, half of the patients still haven't relapsed. Okay. And that these data are even better in the frontline setting. So just recently, um, last December, um, two studies came out which were comparing ibrutinib or ibrutinib combinations to standard of care chemoimmunotherapy in people who had previously untreated CLL. Both of them have follow-up of about three years, and on both studies, almost 90% of patients treated with ibrutinib remain in remission. After, well, still. After three, three years. After yep. three years. Yep, almost 90% of people. What happens when people, when patients don't, What what and they do relapse? Yeah, so, you know, initially, patients did not do very well when they relapse on ibrutinib. Um you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. And part of it is probably that um, when patients relapse after a targeted therapy like ibrutinib, their CLL changes a little bit and can can actually be more aggressive in some cases. Um, so at the James, we led another trial um, that was looking at a drug called venetoclax, which is another pill, So and it's another targeted therapy that inhibits a protein called BCL2. And BCL2 is what's called an anti-apoptotic protein, which means it's a protein that tells cells not to die. And so this protein is actually overexpressed in a lot of cancers, including CLL. So, so if it if this is the cell, this is telling them not to die, which mm-hmm. means they're going to keep growing. That's right. So that's and bad. Then, that's right, a bad exactly. Thing. Okay. And then you inhibit it with this drug that turns off that signal and kills cells. Um, so we led a study in patients who were previously treated and relapsed after ibrutinib, um, or in some cases, a drug called idololicib, which is another targeted treatment, and showed actually that this drug, venetoclax, can be effective after patients relapse on ibrutinib, which was another big step forward. Um, because prior to, and actually subsequent to that, it's been hard to find drugs that are very effective in this setting. Although we're working on a number of different things right now in the lab and in the clinic that are looking very promising too. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Jennifer and we're going to start to talk a little bit more about what's next with Ibrutinib, the next generation of drug and some new combinations. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. 
We're back with Jennifer Woyak, the principal investigator and a physician scientist here at the James and one of the uh, leaders of the Ibrutinib team. So, Jennifer, you gave us a great rundown on some of the background and some of the great things Ibrutinib has been doing for patients. And it's not just here at the James. It's all over the country, right, and even beyond. Like, give me a sense of of the impact of Ibrutinib, and is, is it now being used everywhere? Yeah, so ibrutinib is really a, a paradigm-changing drug for CLL. Um, so especially in the frontline setting, before we started using ibrutinib, everybody was treated with chemotherapy, um, or more recently, chemotherapy plus an antibody treatment. So something like rituximab or obinutuzumab, those plus a chemotherapy drug. And just recently, there were two large studies that came out. One of them was led by the, here at the James. Um, that study actually took patients who were age 65 and older. So that's actually most of the people with CLL. It is a, it's, it's a disease that it, it hits people, people 60 and over, right? That's right, Primarily. yeah. So about three quarters of people are diagnosed after the age of 65, Six. and the median age at diagnosis is somewhere between 70 and 72. Okay. Um, so we, we took patients who were ready to receive their first treatment for CLL, and we're in that older adult group, and then we randomized them to either a combination chemotherapy regimen called bendamustine plus rituximab, uh, or ibrutinib given by itself, or ibrutinib given in combination with rituximab. And so patients were treated with one of these three regimens, and then we followed them with the primary goal to see which one of these regimens produced the best progression-free survival. And we found that ibrutinib alone or ibrutinib in combination with rituximab was significantly better than chemotherapy. Hmm, Okay. And so that is being given initially to people? Yep. So 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 that would put ibrutinib into um, the probably considered the most effective standard of care for patients with CLL who have not been previously treated. Um, so that really, really changes the game for CLL. And that's all over the country. And, and is it in other countries, in, in Europe, in Asia? Yeah, absolutely. Asia and, okay. mm-hmm. Yep. The, you know, depending on the regulations of the specific country, you know, the 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 indications for it can be different or when the drug can get paid for is different. But yep, ibrutinib is used all over the world now. And I'm I'm not sure if you'll know numbers, but I read that 16,000 people a year are are diagnosed with CLL. That's in the United States. And I'm sure similar or larger numbers Mm -hmm. around the world. So this is impacting and helping a lot of people. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And, and this is, again, it's not a cure. It's something that controls it. So that means people take this forever, as long as they live, right? That's right. Right now, ibrutinib, when it starts, is meant to be given continuously and definitely. So unless somebody progresses or develops side effects that make them not able to take the drug anymore, they could be on it for many, many years. Hopefully many, many Hopefully, years. Yeah. Yes. And it's a daily pill. It is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, it, and so what's next? Because I know we've talked a little bit, uh, and I know a little bit that there's new clinical trials and also a next generation of ibrutinib that may be even more effective. So right. yeah, run us through some of some of the what what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. What's keeping um, you busy every day? <laughs> right. So ibrutinib is a great drug, but it is not by any 
stretch of the imagination a perfect drug. Right. So there are definitely side effects with it. Um, some are very significant. It can cause heart rhythm disturbances. It can cause bleeding. And it can mm. cause hypertension. Um, and as well, it, it causes some more annoying, less significant, but more annoying, especially if you're taking it for a number of years, things like joint pain, uh, rashes, heartburn, things like that. And since actually people, you know, it's still a relatively new drug, you're, drug, you're sort of now discovering the longer term effects five, seven, eight years out. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And actually, one very good thing about the drug is there's not a lot of what we call cumulative to- toxicity. So there are very few toxicities that are more likely to happen later on. So actually, high That's blood a, pressure. Yeah. yeah, that is a good thing. High blood pressure is actually the only side effect that gets more common with time. Um but, you know, there are side effects and the drug is very expensive, too. So ideally, we would like to do something so that not everybody has to take the drug forever. And so one of the things that we've been very interested in is developing combinations of targeted therapies um, to see if we could eventually take people off the drug. Because okay. ibrutinib yeah. by itself does not produce a lot of what are called complete remissions, which means that you can't find any evidence of CLL. So the so, cancer cells are still there, but again, they're they're under control. They're that's right. they're mummies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so one clinical trial that Dr. Carrie Rogers here at the James is leading um, is a combination where we combine ibrutinib with that other drug I was mentioning, venetoclax, so another pill that targets BCL two, uh, with an antibody that's called obinutuzumab. And obinutuzumab is a targeted antibody against a protein called CD twenty, which is on the surface of B cells. That's the new part of this clinical trial, this antibody you just said. Yeah. So that's the third element that's added right. to the first two. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. Um, and with this regimen, we can actually deepen the responses from what we normally see with ibrutinib. So this trial um, is conducted so that people will get that three drug regimen for a total of one year, and then they stop treatment. And at this point, um, where most people are... Over a year after stopping treatment, most are under two years after stopping treatment, but almost everybody remains in remission, even off of the drugs, which is very exciting. That is a big step forward. And actually, this trial led to the next big trial um, that we're actually leading out of the James, but it's through our what's called a cooperative group called the Alliance for Clinical Trials in Oncology, which which runs big practice-changing phase three studies around the country. So other comprehensive cancer centers have joined you. So you have a bigger population to study. Exactly. Um, And so we are testing in patients. Again, we're looking at older patients, this time actually patients age 70 and older. And we're going to randomize people who have never had previous CLL therapy to ibrutinib actually given with that antibody obinutuzumab versus that three drug regimen. So ibrutinib, venetoclax, obinutuzumab. So everybody who is on the standard therapy arm will take ibrutinib forever, hopefully, and everybody who is on the triple regimen arm will take ibrutinib for a year, and those who have a complete response where we can't detect any evidence of CLL, that's called a minimal residual disease negative complete response, they will all stop ibrutinib, and people where we can still detect CLL will continue ibrutinib. So by this study, we should be able to tell whether using that triple drug regimen, we can improve remissions over just taking ibrutinib forever. 
So the goal is to find out if this three-drug regimen works, and if it does, that will become the standard of care, and then people, knock on wood, after a year can go, they will be in complete remission and don't have to take an expensive drug that can, but not always cause side effects. That's right. Wow, so that's a, an amazing evolution how this drug keeps, you're finding ways to make it more effective mm-hmm. with combinations and then you're also finding ways to make the actual ibrutinib more effective, right? Exactly. So I think that's all of our goal in cancer research is to try to build upon our past successes, not stop when you get something that's pretty good, but take it forward so that hopefully we can eventually cure the disease. Um, and the other thing that we're doing is working with other BTK inhibitors. Um, so one of the reasons why we think ibrutinib has some of these significant side effects is because it besides inhibiting that target protein, BTK, it actually inhibits a number of other proteins that are structurally similar. Um, And there have been developed other BTK inhibitors, second-generation inhibitors, that are actually more specific for BTK. Um, One that we've worked with a lot at Ohio State is called a calibrutinib. And calibrutinib, like I said, is is much more specific than ibrutinib is and seems to have less of those significant side effects. Now, what cancer is the, say it again, a calibrutinib? A calibrutinib. What cancer, is that for CLL or? So it's being developed for the same cancers that ibrutinib is being used in. So mantle cell lymphoma, CLL, Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia, marginal zone lymphoma, um, you know, potentially any drug that ibrutinib works in, a second generation BTK inhibitor could work too. So would this, would you then be able to figure out which, uh, which patient would be is, is good, which drug will be better for each individual patient? It goes yes. about the whole personal uh, medicine Exactly. Idea. So, mm-hmm. so for some people, ibrutinib, and for some people, the other one, based on the genetics of their CLL or, or other cancer. Potentially. And, you know, there also is the potential that patients could start on one drug, like if they start on ibrutinib and have, for example, atrial fibrillation, we can switch them to a calibrutinib or another second-generation inhibitor and maybe reduce that risk of having that complication. Oh, uh, because... Because the icalabrutinib perhaps reduces the uh, cardiac-related side effects That's right. or vice versa in certain patients. That's right. Wow, so complicated. <laughs> but it's, it's but you're doing amazing work. So you are a physician and you see people in clinic, I take it. I do. And yes. you put them through these clinical trials and see their progress. What What's that been like? And you were here since the beginning of ibrutinib. What has that been like to be part of and now to lead the clinical trials for a drug that saves people's lives at your patients' lives. Yeah. So yes, I have been working with ibrutinib since the very beginning. I was actually a fellow when the first patients were being treated on the clinical trials. And it's been so exciting to be involved with something that has made a a difference in the lives of so many patients. There's lots of people who didn't think they were going to see their grandchildren graduate high school or didn't think they were going to be walking their kids down the aisle um, who are able to do so because not only just of ibrutinib, but because of other drugs that have been developed in CLL, clinical trials that they've been on at the James, um, and these advancements that are really, really changing people's lives. Okay. Well, thank you for filling us in. This has been really fascinating to sort of 
get a sense of the history and progress of one drug and how it starts off doing one thing and you guys just keep just finding little ways to improve it and improve the outcome for patients and reduce side effects and just make it more and more effective. So thank you for all the work you do and for filling us in on it. Oh, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.